Welcome to the Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. This is shot after this podcast because now I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to see. But first, we have another legend of a guest. It's his third time coming back on the podcast. First time ever for any guest. But before I let you know who it is, check out who we are, Fruiting Body Podcast. We are a medicinal mushroom company located on the island of Phuket. We're doing Lion's Mane, Rice She, Mushroom Complex, and the one and only Nootropics Focused. This allows me to stay dialed in and focused. Some people say it's a replacement for Adderall and ADHD medicine. Now, back, I bet you're all wondering who was on this, well, on this podcast. It was Tim Newton making his third appearance. I'm going to tell you everything we talked about today. We're focusing primarily on, well, Tim's new revolution and movement going after the tiger. So again, hashtag Tim is taking over. Uh, we're also talking, he's laughing at me here. He's not liking it. We're also talking about, um, he's doing a retirement program. That's where he's going to be living. People will be able to come to Thailand, retire. He's going to offer all those services and take over. Uh, Tim, you can, uh, you can jump into the mic. I know you want it. I'm just listening okay. uh, to, to what I'm meant to be saying today. And we jumped a little bit into the cannabis industry, not actually probably a good 20 minutes of the cannabis industry and what was going on there and Tim's thoughts on that and also on the trans movement as well. And we go pretty deep into that. Now, if you're tired of listening to me ramble, we got chapters below. So all those topics I just discussed, you can navigate and it will shut me up and you can move on. But if you haven't already subscribed, you should hit that subscribe, hit the bell and don't hit me with that club. Otherwise, and, we'll use this on you. Yeah, that's so not going to be very good. What is it actually? It's a Tanzanian lion killing club. I don't know the name. Han should know. He's from South Africa. So, um, And again, I probably already plugged this uh, mushrooms and all that stuff. Without further ado, let's get this podcast started. Okay, let's go. Um, okay, we won't push Tim's buttons too much right now, but the second he feels he's off the hook, we're coming back in. Um, <laughs> With the stick. Let, let's talk about recently what's been going on, but actually, sorry, let, let's peel back. Now, the, the last time you were on, you were just launching Tim Newton today, uh, essentially at zero subscribers. You grew exponentially. I'm not going to say it's because of this podcast, but no, I honestly, it's probably most likely because of Tim's name, people are searching from, and most importantly, probably Pete from Tyrish Times. Um, can you talk about the initial, when you were getting started and again, watching your subs just grow to 5,000, 10,000, that feeling and, and what you went through. Well, initially, I, I didn't know if I'd get 100 subscribers. I, I just didn't know. YouTube is a funny game, and I'd learned a bit about it over the sort of um, five or ten years I was working in, in previous news organisations. But I realised that I had this sort of niche. I had this body of knowledge about uh, Thai news and Thai um, sort of concerns for expats. I thought, well, I can at least weaponize that little niche, and that's really what I've done. Uh, I've just been scrupulously consistent, like turning up every day, doing the news. And uh, when the news is really interesting, I'll do better, and when it's not that interesting, I'll, I'll do worse. So I'm very much a victim of the news cycle. At the moment, uh, there's not that much happening. I mean, the government's mm. not banning this or letting people come in without visas or whatever. So I just have to work with the... Uh, the news cycle, but um, I, I'm grateful, very, very grateful for how well it's gone, but um, I really do work pretty hard at it. Yeah, I, again, you had to con, kind of come out the door swimming, swinging, and I still think a lot of your subscribers that were following the Tiger, I mean, where did Tim go? We got to find Tim. That transition was pretty quick from the time you left the Tiger to the point in which you launched Tim Newton today. How long did that take? 
Well, I actually <clears throat> backed out of being on camera at uh, the Tiger probably about a, a month or two before I actually finished working for them because I, I wanted there to be a, a good natural transition and I wanted them to be able to manage that. Uh, but it was probably three months off camera in total. Tyrish times, Pete, thank you very much, and yourself, Brendan, for, uh, for, for interviewing me when I left because both those interviews did sort of launch the, uh, the channel and gave me a chance to have a bit of a springboard to, uh, to what I'm doing. But, I mean, YouTube's a difficult game. Uh, I do a daily program, and I think doing a daily program makes a difference as well because, uh, you, in, in my case, it's about current affairs, so you have to do it daily. You can't do a, a weekly current affairs show. So uh, it, it is a challenge for me. It's a discipline that I have to get up every day, no matter how I feel or no matter how little news there is or how much news there is, I've got to turn up and, and do it every day. But that, I suppose, if anybody asks me what what is the secret, well, it's sort of been hard work, really. Every day, how much prep time are you kind of putting into each, let's call it episode or show for the day? Oh, that, that's interesting. Uh, you were my guest on the live program. I came in in great shape, yeah. Yeah, you were just did your foot in at the time. Uh, so we're not going to talk about your foot again. No, no, no. We talked about it the whole day. <laughs> Brendan's yeah. foot. Um, so fr from I get up at 5.30, I'm sitting down at the desk at 6. Uh, by 7 o'clock, I've gone through the stories. I've marked them up on my iPad. Um, I then take around about a half hour to record it. Because I record it, I've got that luxury. If I bugger something up, I can go back and do it again. Live YouTube is so much easier because when you do it, you do it once and start and finish and then you can walk away. This way, I've sort of got that safety net and that trampoline beneath me, the recording of it, means that I can go back and, uh, and sort of sharpen things up if I need to. Or I might even be near the end of the video going, oh, I've got a great line for that story three. So you tend to manicure it a bit more. I'm actually getting into a bad habit of overdoing it. Yeah, especially for the news. You don't need to dissect it. like just. No, but now I, I suppose I try and just come up with witty, funny things. And uh, sometimes they don't necessarily come when you're doing the story. They just come into your mind a bit later. But I always get it uploaded by 9 o'clock as, as best I can. I, And it's not... I don't think an ideal time to do the news because all the, um, the the newsmakers, they're writing the story sort of in the morning and early afternoon, publishing by late afternoon is when you get the last story. I really should be doing it in the early evening when all the news is fresh because by the time I'm doing it the next morning, they're all yesterday's stories. Mm. So I do throw in a, a lot of analysis rather than just saying here's the stories. I say... I disagree with this or this is wrong or that's blatantly wrong or look at the way these two news sources are reporting the same thing and they're different. Do you think you would do that? Maybe transition into like a five or six o'clock show as well? Um, as well. Well, not as well or maybe just go with that. Well, again, like doing anything on YouTube, you make changes to what you're doing and it might be that I've got a sort of a semi-successful formula now. You do anything to change that and I tried with young Nick, we were doing the daily live program. It just didn't work. The viewers hated it. So I had to change that really quickly. I could see the views going down. So I had to react to that. And uh, now Nick turns up. Thank you, Nick. He does a great job. He turns up on, on, on Saturdays. 
uh, and we do the live program once a week, and people seem happy with that. So now I've uh, got the new thing, a grumpy old man. I'm sure we'll talk about Steve later. And uh, that, that is me trying once again to do something outside of the little news box that I'm stuck in every day because there, there's more to me than just reporting the news. Uh, I would like to think that I've got a little bit more to offer. So uh, it's sometimes a bit difficult to do that through a, a newsy sort of situation where people expect you to be serious and uh, some stories are deadly serious. But luckily in Thailand, there's so much more that happens here that is absolutely bizarre and I love those stories as well. Well, it's like on our first episode we did, you explained that when you were working at the Tiger, one of your uh, you know, creative ways to find content that would stick is you would just try everything and change things every other week and then something stick and you would kind of lean into it. Um, you don't have that much flexibility now. Is there a reason for that? Like why you can't be more flexible like you were at the Tiger? Well, look, I, the, at the Tiger, there was very much a, a, a risk culture try things do but i myself i'm more conservative i like trying something for a week or a month and then making a sort of a long considered decision at uh tiger and the other businesses owned by uh that, that the, the company that were shareholders in the tiger that they were very um uh risk centric they wanted to make changes make them quickly if they failed fail quickly and then move on try with another idea I'm much more conservative than that. So now that I've sort of gripped onto something that is semi-successful, I'm loath to try and change it too quickly. But I do want to, but I know that I need to do it fairly uh, slowly. YouTube, like all the modern social media, does give you the tools, though, to be able to measure how things are going uh, almost in real time. And as soon as I've uploaded the program on a daily basis, I can see in the first five minutes if it's going to be a good day or a bad day. And I can make some changes, uh, do a bit of shuffling of the the timestamps or uh, add in a few more keywords or change the thumbnail. Mm. And you can make uh, changes once you've uploaded it. But at the end of the day, once it's uploaded, it's done. And you have to just make uh, learn some quick lessons, what worked, what didn't work, and make sure you try and do a better job the next day. And when I sit down every day, I do think to myself, okay, I've got to do a better job than I did yesterday. And I haven't, I, I had in mind this morning actually, going back to my very first TNT and having a look at it and going, right, I, I have improved. God, I hope I've improved. Well, it's these small incremental changes like, if we go back to episode, even episode 20 or our first one with you and we watched the one today and then it looks black and white and I, we can't even tell you half the time of what we changed. It it's was just, in black and white. That's how old it was. <laughs> I want to um, I, I want to jump into what you're doing with Steve Ross and also at your retirement type of venture you're getting into. Before that, since both me and Tim are sponsored by Five Star, maybe we're going to do a, do a little sponsorship and have, have a little chat about who Five Star is and what they're doing. So I'll jump in and maybe throw it to Tim and he can finish it off. Um, okay, so... First, we're going to let you know, Five Star Marine, they're helping sponsor this podcast. So they're making this all possible that we can operate every week and Hans still gets paid. Without Five Star, Hans isn't getting paid. This show shuts down. Who is Five Star? So Sean Stenning has reached out to us. Well, we connected and they are a five-star luxury speedboat yacht, private 
yacht touring company on the island of Phuket, Thailand. Now, they're going to be taking you around to Ho Phi Phi, Ao Nang, different partner, par places within the Pung Na Bay area. And Tim is going to explain to you why they're so special. <laughs> uh, well, Sean's got an amazing story, as you know. Yeah. Um, they really started just before COVID. And during COVID, there wasn't a lot of people coming for private uh, charters. So they started doing the food program, the food bags, and uh, they worked really, really hard, became a strong fam <clears throat> family of staff. And now, since people are coming back, uh, they've been buying new boats and expanding the business. But if you want a premium private tour off the island of Phuket, there's really nobody better than, than Five Star Marine. And I mean, there's 32 islands around Phuket. And on any particular day, no matter how good or bad the weather is, there's always going to be a beach which is worth visiting that's going to make your Instagram uh, page go crazy. That's perfect. So uh, Hans can clip that out. And we're actually going to use Tim's sponsorship on every episode now. I don't have to do it anymore. Uh, okay, perfect. Um, let's go to your favorite part about YouTube and uh, your channel, the comment section. When you have to go through that comment section and read these lunatics, is there a, a face, a picture you can put to them? Like, who do you see in your mind of who they are? Well, look, the comment section is, um, is just one of those things you need to cope with. And if you're going to be a YouTuber or anybody in social media as a content creator, and you're going to get worried about what they say, and a lot of it is completely unfiltered, then you're going to have bad mental health problems. So it's not that I block out the negative stuff. I mean, you can just delete them if you want to, but that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Unless and it's past, a, there's a line. There is a line. And um, I think these days uh, when people disagree with you or have got a different point of view, you need to actively encourage that, but particularly when you're doing news and you're talking about occasionally quite controversial topics. But if people either attack me personally or other commenters, I have no hesitation in deleting those people. But I also sometimes go, oh, yeah, they're, they're right. Or, yeah, I shouldn't have uh, done that or I should have said something different. So you can learn from some of them as well. So I think I've got a much healthier attitude towards the comment section than I used to. I used to worry about all the personal attacks. But now because the channel's just me i don't have to worry about a bigger business around me i can just delete them and not even have to think about them again is there a reoccurring personal attack that you're like guys come on seriously again well i don't give them a chance for another one uh if, if they do a personal attack i have no hesitation just block to, just block okay. just immediately because um there's no reason for doing that uh have a go at what i'm saying uh disagree with what i'm saying have a go about the topics no problems. But once you start attacking the person, that's just not on. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't well, really it's not lie. on in, in my world. It's certainly, it's not a way that I would respond if I was in a bar and talking to somebody and I disagreed with their point of view. I wouldn't say, you're an idiot. Uh, you, I just wouldn't respond like that. Yeah, you get the keyboard warriors, which kind of leads me into the grumpier old men because I think there's a hidden part of that show. I'm, I've read a few of the comment section. Oh, for, <laughs> there's, a, there's a part two of every show. You have the show itself, and then you probably have Steve Ross in the comment section. Yes. Okay. So Grumpy Old Men was a bit of an idea I've had for a while. Um, I don't know if I saw another program called Grumpy Old Men in the past, but I thought it would be very appropriate for some of the older 
retired people here in Thailand, well, not quite retired, but who could have a bit of a, a whinge and a laugh on, uh, on camera, but also in amongst that, perhaps pass on a bit of wisdom of uh, a life lived well or badly and uh, share that with people in a sort of a humorous way. Now, there's meant to be three of us, and from the start there was three of us, but the third one hasn't turned up yet. So it's been uh, Steve and uh, me having a bit of a, uh, a well, a bit of a two-way. I really enjoy it. Steve's a character, as you know. Uh, Steve Ross, R-O-S-S-E, as he'll keep on telling you. Yeah, he's been on the program once, I think. We'll, we'll oh, bring him back. Once is enough. You <laughs> only want him once. <laughs> oh, I, we'll get him back. I think, well, you did you... We'll, we'll go into that with the, the third missing member. But you are you going up to Steve's place to film every time? Sure. Steve is, uh, well, he's a curmudgeon. And he'll acknowledge that he's a curmudgeon. And he hates coming to Phuket. He's got a lot of reasons to hate Phuket, which he loves telling you about in excruciating detail. Uh, but he lives up about an hour north of Phuket. For me... Uh, you might think it's inconvenient, but I love just packing up the mixer and a couple of mics, going for a drive up to a beautiful beach, Tai Mung, and he lives in this cheap little old store 80 metres from the water. It's a fantastic location. He's living the life. He whinges about it and he laughs about it, but he's living the life that a lot of people, even myself, are, are quite, um, quite envious of. But I love actually going up there. We usually record a couple of programs uh, every second week. But even if I have to go up there every week, it wouldn't bother me. I'd move up there, but I'm, there's no real nice houses up there. Yeah, <laughs> and you get, you get pretty disconnected from the Western world. There's no villa markets. You're going to be eating quite Thai at that level. Yeah, and that wouldn't particularly bother me. But, um, I mean... It's easy enough to come back to Phuket once a week and do the things you have to do, immigration, go and do your shopping, whatever. But uh, it is a really nice area, and I, I really enjoy going up there. And Steve's a delight on camera and off camera, and um, I'm, he's very lucky that I found him. Well, Steve is, I'm assuming... Saved him. Steve might be watching this episode, so only kind words for Steve, and come back on, and we hope to no, get no, you no, back no, on. No, no, don't have him back on. Well, he, no, 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 I think no, no. he said he'll start to come out here once the tourism drops down a bit. He said it, the price obviously is quite high for hotels and it's just so busy right now. Well, I offered that he could come and stay in my house once. Thankfully, he said no. So I haven't had to put up with him uh, coming back. But he's a funny guy. And um, it's going to be an interesting dynamic when the third grumpy old man, or it might be a woman, turns up and that's going to change the dynamic completely because we're going to be going from two to three. So I think I'm going to be uh, sitting between Baz, Baz Daniel and Steve on one side. They're quite different people and I'll be in the middle sort of going, oh, guys, guys, guys. So I'm uh, looking forward to that when it happens. Yeah, it, it was kind of played off. An, the initial concept was like the Muppets, uh, these two, that's what Steve was saying, these two Muppet characters that would kind of go back and forth and have this comedic routine as well. Well, yeah, people are saying, is it the, the, the two old guys sitting up in the, uh, the, the yeah. box or is it Bert and Ernie? But, uh, or Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon, yeah. We yeah. don't really sort of see ourselves as, we're not comparing ourselves with anybody. We're really just turning up each week. We sort of have a couple of notes of things we want to talk about and we get to the end and we haven't spoken about any of them. So it's... Again, it's just me trying to find something a little bit different than talking about 
the news. I tend, when we go through the topics each week, to pick topics that I know have been in high circulation in the news during the week. But Steve's got so many stories and anecdotes, uh, that's where the program ends up going. And I suppose it's me just there throwing a bomb into the middle and seeing how Steve responds and uh, then just mocking him. That's sort well, of I see, a, you have a You had like a duck there. Are you squeezing that when he's just, you can't get a word in? You're like, all right, Steve. So the duck uh, has become, uh, yeah, the, the, the yellow duck. The protesters used it as a bit of a symbol. I use it to shut him up. So if I reach out towards the duck, he knows it's time to shut up. Yeah, because I've, I've had Steve on and, I mean, he's, he's a wordsmith and, and, and he can kind of keep the conversation flowing. It's very difficult to get a word in on Steve. Well, all you need to do is just sort of say a word. Steve, trousers, and he'll just talk for the next 20 minutes. Let's jump more into the news, what we were discussing downstairs, which is this controversial stuff, and your thoughts on the upcoming elections and the decriminalization of cannabis. Well, um, of course, the decriminalization of cannabis started uh, before I'd left my my past employer. And from the get-go, I I looked at this uh, change, this sudden and undebated change and think to myself why has this suddenly happened this is not a progressive government this is a conservative government there is no way that uh, the prime minister and most of the other sort of ex-army thugs would be supporting this why are they doing it oh because it's the head of the Punjai Thai party he has he had at the time 45 MPs who were contributing to the coalition without them they didn't have a coalition Promises were made and coming up to the end of their term, they had to acknowledge the promise that was made. But when the actual cannabis bill came to Parliament, uh, it got knocked down six times. And everybody, except for the Pumjai Thai MPs, were voting against it, including the members of his own coalition. So they were saying, we'll let you decriminalise cannabis, but at the same time, we're not going to uh, pass any laws that let anything happen. In the intervening time, uh, a lot of people assumed that decriminalising cannabis suddenly turned Thailand into Amsterdam. That was never the intention, and Anderton's even gone out of his way to say that that was never the intention. And what's become a broad recreational use, uh, which is like spread like wildfire around Thailand, and you can't walk down any tourist street without smelling cannabis everywhere. Every second shop's turned into a retail shop. My understanding is that was never the intention of uh, the, the, the bill. And we've now got a, an election coming up, and I think there's going to be a hard landing to all this. What was the intention? What do you think it was? Well, f- from Anderton? Hmm. Well, I think his intention was to uh, d- decriminalise cannabis for all the good reasons to get people who were using small amounts out of jails. And that's fair enough. There are other ways of tackling uh, an overuse or a misuse of this particular herb. But they did see uh, the value in uh, allowing it as a a crop, uh, the use of hemp, of course. And, uh, but I don't think the recreational use was ever, of course, the medicinal uses the recreational use was never on the radar, but people have assumed that that's the way it was going to happen. So I th- found that very interesting from the start. I thought it was a, it was all about the politics. And now you've got a situation where the, the parties that are going to be leading the next coalition 
have vocally said, they said during the debates of the cannabis bill, it's in their election uh, portfolios, they are not going to support the recreational use of cannabis in the future. So when this bill eventually comes up, probably sometime later this year, I think people are going to get a surprise that what people say, the genie in the bottle, it's going to be impossible to get the... By the way, genies are in uh, lamps, not bottles. Or getting the toothpaste back into the, the toothpaste tube... I think there is going to be uh, a move to try and actually roll back this completely open use, which uh, people assume is w- what was intended. That was never intended. And I, I've from the start, and people have criticised me for taking the stance, but I think in the end I might be proven right, happy to be proven wrong, but just analysing and reading, sort of sifting through the tea leaves, uh, I think that people who have invested a lot of money in this are going to get surprised and the government, I believe, will try and wind this back. So what will happen? All these uh, cannabis shops around the island, are they getting shut down? Are there certain licenses that will have to come out that, well, who gets those licenses? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, look, for those, those people who, in, with the best of intentions, have gone out to, to try and make some money out of uh, the, the, this change in the criminalisation laws... Uh, there's people who are investing in plantations. There are people who have set up very elaborate retail stores. So, but, but the government never said that you can do this. People have assumed they can do this and the cannabis bill's never been passed so that there was something on paper saying, oh, you can do this, but you can't do that. It's all been assumed. And until there is an actual cannabis bill, then that will continue. And the police can't walk in and go, well, I'm sorry, we're going to arrest you because they've got no bill, they've got no legal entity to hang on to 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 do that. So, uh, and just think about it, the police, they used to make a lot of money out of, uh, well, um, blackmailing people. Sorry, you've been caught with a small amount of cannabis. Um, You know, give us some money or we'll take you to jail. They're not getting any of that money anymore. There's a lot of other people in the, the sort of the, the, the economic ecosystem who aren't making any money out of this anymore. So I, I think when people say, oh, there's so much money to be made, there was a lot of money being made out of cannabis before. And uh, I've always said, I, I, personally, I don't care. If people want to use cannabis, it doesn't bother me what people do in their spare time. I don't particularly like it. I don't like the smell, but that's just my opinion. If people want to use it, it doesn't bother me. And those people that enjoy using it will continue to use it, whether it's legal or not. Uh, Whether people should be smoking inside a restaurant when they can't actually smoke cigarettes legally, that's when I think it's just gone too far the other way. Mm. So I I think there is going to be a wind back. There is nothing sure. I mean, they have the same problem with the vape pens and the cigarettes, and you still see it everywhere. Um, can you dig a bit deeper? Because technically these vape pens, they're illegal in Thailand, but you're, every kid on the corner has one. Yeah, I, I think this is another problem. And I think vaping is, is a totally different issue. And again, I don't care if people want to vape. At the office I used to work in, half the office was vaping. It was just this fumes of... Uh, yeah, we got Hans always vaping over here. But it's... But still, it's it's going to be in direct competition with the Thai tobacco industry. So I'm assuming that's probably why they try to push that down. 
Well, I, people have said that, but of course you could tax vaping if you wanted to introduce it. Uh, there are some legitimate concerns about the uh, if it's good or bad, and I think there's now been enough studies to show that vaping is not really much better than uh, cigarette smoking. Uh, but should people be allowed to do it? Um, again, even if they – well, it is criminalised. Um, there's not as if they, they're picking people up on the street and taking them off to prison and deporting them. So it, it, there's a lot of these fuzzy laws in Thailand. And uh, whilst the police have got options for finding people, probably nothing much is going to change. I, it's a hard one. When you're doing your research for your, your daily show, do you ever look to uh, American or Australian or UK news, what's going on, and um, those hot trending topics allow them to bleed into your show as well, even if it's not happening so much in Thailand? A really good uh, question. And I do think when there's hot topics that I find interesting, uh, US politics, I find um, a, a gun laws in America, I find these things quite fascinating. I've got a point of view about them. But I try not to to let them go onto my channel because, I mean, my niche is Thai news in English, and uh, there's a lot, millions of other channels that talk about all those other issues, and I don't really want to compete with them. And at the same time, um, it's a bit difficult for me to whinge about American gun laws because I'm not American and I don't have a gun. So people could rightfully say it's not not your business, stop talking about it. However, if there's shootings in Thailand, for example, and there have been recently, I may draw comparisons to what's happened in the US or what happened in Australia when there was a, a huge crackdown on, uh, on gun laws, which has resulted in a massive drop in mass shootings. That evidence is quite clear, but what happens in the US is much deeper and more complicated but i don't let those things really creep onto the channel i think now like what i i never watched the news uh, back in canada or us or wherever um obviously from canada but there's a huge does anything ever happen in canada or? some i mostly so i think south park covered it all years ago <laughs> we're okay there, there's a huge trans movement now and i think that can connect to thailand because that's always been here and it's always out out in the open and i mean we have our lady boys here but so that movement, you don't really notice here. Now, it's huge in, in the U.S., and kids are taking, uh, they're taking hormones and they're being, you know, mutilated. Do you touch upon that, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, Steve and I covered this uh, recently, and uh, we do talk about the, the different approach of just regular Thai people to people who are transgender. And uh, it's a very different dynamic. I think a lot of foreigners come here and they sort of go, have a bit of a giggle behind their hand. But most Thais don't think twice about it. It's uh, very much a part of the culture here. You know, I, I find it difficult, again, and I don't want to sort of get into the politics, but you will find that uh, there, there are some politicians in the US who will spend hours whinging and talking and getting headlines about a, a trans person reading to children, but they couldn't give a fig about... 32 people getting killed in a mass shooting. Just There's just total dichotomy in what makes news there. But I, I don't, again, uh, let that uh, come, come into the discussions. But when there are discussions about transgender issues in Thailand, I think 
it's uh, worthy to compare it to what happens in other parts of the world. But Steve and I did recognise that uh, there is a, a massive difference and that you can on a day-to-day basis walk into a shop and there'll be a transgender person uh, serving you and I don't blink an eye. I don't even sort of think about it anymore. Are, are they taking hormones at a young age in Thailand, kind of what they're really trying to push back in the US? Well, who's pushing that? I mean, I think there's people who assume that there's someone pushing it. And I don't think there's anybody sort of forcing any young person into anything. But a lot of politicians like to think that there is some huge push to, you know, let these uh, youngsters harm themselves. It's a very complicated and a very personal issue. And I think that each person needs to be left to decide that and talk about it with their family and a, a properly trained physician. The politicians should just keep out of it. What happens in the bedrooms of, uh, of anywhere in the world is nothing to do with the politicians. So uh, in the same way in Thailand, uh, every trans person has gone about it in their own personal way. Some go into the hormones, some have a full physical transition. Uh, some really don't do anything, they just dress up. So everybody does it in their own way. But I don't care. I really don't care if a, a person wants to live their life any way they want. I couldn't care less. And literally, if a trans person walks in, I don't bat an eyelid. I, I'd care about what they've got to say and who they are. What's between their legs is of no interest to me. The opposite side of the argument, and it's been recent, I would say in the past week, a lot of people are coming out and saying trans people are mentally ill. What are your thoughts on that? This is a recent like headline. I've seen it all over Twitter for about the past week and a half. I just checked my notes. I didn't think we were going to be talking about this. Um, so uh, what do I think about it? I, um, I think anybody that... No, I, I don't want to get into the politics. I don't think they're mentally ill. Uh, there's just a whole lot of grey when it comes to sexual dysfunction there's a lot of uh, grey between the black and the white. And I think the more we know and the more we acknowledge that there are so many shades of grey, the better understanding and the more tolerance we'll have. Uh, But but certainly um, a mental illness can come to anybody. Uh, Being transgender is is not one of them. Uh, But, of course, transgender people, like anybody else, can suffer from depression. And given some of the hurdles they have to jump over, I wouldn't blame them for having uh, more mental health issues. But transgenderism in itself is not a mental issue. And it's silly for people to say so. Yeah, I think even going back to ladyboys, they were, even as far back as a thousand years ago, they were um, uh, well revered by by the the monks as well. There's actually quite a deeper history behind it. It's not a recent movement. Have you looked into the history of it in Thailand? Yeah, um, I, I know a bit more about it. And there's some countries in um, Polynesia who also honour uh, people who are transgender. And uh, sometimes there is a necessity for, if, if there's a lot of males in the family, for one of them to take on more of a feminine uh, role to, to provide that type of dynamic to the family. But every culture is different and they need to be recognised and understood And I've got no problems with further studies being done into these things and into the history and the cultural dimensions. But at the moment, it's become a political football, which is absolutely ridiculous. 
politicians need to stay out of this stuff. As I said, what happens in the bedrooms around the world is of no interest or should be of no interest to politicians who really, at the end of the day, should be fixing the roads and, uh, you know, building bridges. Do you think these politicians, they're manipulating the media and the news because there's a hidden bill they're trying to pass behind the table? So what's on the agenda this week to piss off everyone in the public? Let's bring that up. And, you know, while that's going on, let's try to pass this bill. Is that usually the case? Oh, look, I think some of these are hot-button issues. And, uh, for example, in the U.S., you've got a strong religious right wing, and they are dominating, uh, and I think they're, they're using uh, a book written 2,000 years ago by ignorant sheep herders as a, a way of defining American politics. And these hot-button issues do make the headlines, but uh, they're not really things that I, I don't think are even slightly worthwhile in talking about here in thailand i mean in the the next uh or before the end of this year there will be a bill to introduce same-sex marriage in thailand and i guarantee that it's just not going to make the headlines there might be some story saying the bill's coming up or the bill's being debated but i guarantee on social media there just won't be a fuss about it not anything like some Western countries that were sort of going, oh, my God, the world's going to end. The sun won't come up tomorrow if we introduce this bill. Of course, that hasn't happened in any of the countries that have introduced same-sex marriage. And people would ask, with Thailand, with sort of from the outside having such a free approach to sexual norms, from the outside, would ask them, why don't they have same-sex marriage already? But I think it's just a, a natural transition. It'll happen probably happened before the end of this year. I, I wasn't aware of that. And also here, it's kind of, it's so diluted now. Everyone's used to it. You Again, you don't blink an eye. It's not something you would, uh, maybe 20 years ago back in the, in the West where people would kind of give a second look. I think it's kind of, that's all, that's never, has that really ever existed in Thailand or it's just always been there? Yeah, from, again, as Westerners looking from the outside, we go, wow, what a sort of a free and easy, sexually revolutionary, revolutionary, society it is but in thai families they're still quite deeply conservative and uh, it's one of those things that is not discussed that of course is changing with the younger generation coming through but there is a definitely a, a contrary to, to what we see as westerners there's still quite a, a conservative dimension in thai culture towards uh, same-sex marriage Okay, well, let's, let's transition to a, a hot topic happening. Transition, on... you say? <laughs> you caught me on my pun. Okay. Um, we're transitioning to a hot topic with Tim Newton today, and we were discussing with um, Chris Parker on Re Chris Parker Retired Working For You and I how guess. you monetize your, your platforms. And obviously, he went down that service route. He's doing medical um, uh, tourism. Yourself, you're going to be getting into retirement tourism does that align with tim newton today and what you're all about well it's sort of putting um two and two together and getting 17 uh, years ago i saw a movie called the best exotic marigold hotel i'm sure a lot of your viewers have seen it and i thought what a great idea outsourcing tourism in that film there were uh, seven or eight elderly british people all from different uh, areas who for whatever reason weren't able to afford to, to retire in their own country, so they'd go to another country, in that case India, and of course they, they go to the internet and they find this place that promises a palace with 
hordes of elephants wandering through the paddocks and when they went there it was just a dump and that provides the comedy for the show. But the sort of the, the key phrase in it was, why retire, uh, no, why die in your own country where you can come here and die instead? And uh, <laughs> I mean... Will that be your slogan? <laughs> no, prob- probably not. But the idea of providing a, uh, a, a high quality a place where people can, uh, with all the services for retired people, which may be anything from being able to get a visa for a long stay or it may be something like renting a car or being picked up at the airport, getting good medical services. We'd have all that covered, <clears throat> but essentially it's, it's really just a, an elaborate, only seven rooms. When I say rooms, I mean they're large 150-square-metre rooms, but... Uh, it's really just a glorified hotel. and uh, but, but I'm going to try and use my program to leverage to those people who watch it, who are a lot of 40-plus males and females, who may be looking to think to themselves, I can't afford to retire in my own country, but you could afford to retire here quite comfortably in Thailand. Now, I've got 12 years of experience. I've met so many people. A lot of my friends are fellow retirees. There probably isn't much I don't know about retiring in Thailand. A lot of people think it's all about visa and getting a condo. That is about 2% of what you need to do to retire in Thailand. There's so much more. And getting back to what we were talking about earlier, a lot of it is to do with mental health, coming with a plan, coming with something to do. The worst thing you can do is just arrive in Thailand with a wad of money and thinking, Right, it's going to be like my seven-day holiday in Patong 20 years ago. Retiring here is nothing like that. And we want to be able to provide the information to advise people that there are a lot of other things you need to think about besides getting a visa and a place to live. Are you going to have a a special place for Steve Ross that can welcome all the guests? Uh, I think we'll probably invite Steve once a week to um, sit at the head of the table and (laughs) wax lyrical and... uh, the world according to Steve. Uh, he'd be a, a very welcome guest. And would, I don't you, want him moving in. But, uh, God, yeah, I mean, oh. hey, Steve, you're yeah, welcome once a week. It's probably yeah, just about enough. And yeah. would you would you be planning to kind of build the own Tim Newton suite for yourself maybe in the future? Well, I mean, being utterly selfish, this would be a place that I would like to go to. Um, I'm still active. I'm still healthy. Uh, I've still got a few years left. And I am very lucky at the age of 64 to be uh, healthy and really still filled with ambition and plans for the future. But there will be a time where I'll need to slow down. And I suppose the place that I'm um, not so much building, because it exists already, we're just taking over the lease. It means that um, there'll be somewhere for me to go. And uh, I will learn very quickly about what people are looking for and what they're not looking for things that I think are important may not be important and we'll just massage it until we sort of get the formula right. But it's the sort of place that I would uh, like to think that I could go to. It's nowhere near Bangla Road. It's uh, no, nowhere near shopping centres or even beaches. It's a nice, quiet location. But we'll provide options to transport people wherever they want to go and uh, try and make things easy. Because sometimes things that might be easy in the West are difficult here in Thailand, 
and we'll try and make those things easy as well. And you get you give yourself 20 years to iron out all the, the issues. So when your time to move in, this place is perfect, ready to go. Well, given your health concerns... Uh, I think I'll be in there yeah, before you, you. You might be in there before me, Brendan. Do you, What's the ambience going to look like in terms of the design, the decor? Like, how can you... Invi- how do you vision this place looking? Is It's obviously not going to be the Shawshank Redemption, you know, prison hotel. Where do you see... How is Tim Newton going to design this? Uh, that's a fair question. I didn't think I'd be talking about interior decoration either. Um, that's what happens on this podcast. You come on with ideas, and we don't go ne- we don't go near them. Thanks, but uh, it, it won't uh, be anything like the best exotic Marigold Hotel, uh, which was a bit of a dump. This is uh, a property that was built about fifteen years ago. It's still quite modern. Needs a bit of a clean, a bit of a paint. But as far as the decor is concerned, um, it's going to be sort of. Um, <sighs> Retro-modern, in other words, uh, we use a lot of timber furniture, um, uh, colours of blue, uh, sort of a tropical vibe without being over the top, without being sort of flowery shirts. And, and the name that you shared earlier? It's probably going to be called, well, I've gone through so many names and we're probably a good two or three months from opening. But at the moment, it's going to be called uh, Blue Moon Bay. But that might change between now and even the end of the day. So again, this very tropical vibe, very blue, very gr- like these blues, these greens, these like earth tone colors, pastels. Or? It's it's going to be sort of natural tones. That mm. The blues, I see blue very much as a, a color which represents Phuket with the blue sky and the blue waters, and uh, sort of the, the turquoises and the, the gray blues and things. But mostly uh, timbers and natural sort of tones. So it's not going to be uh, you know bright pinks or anything uh, gaudy or anything like that sort of place that you could call home and relax in. That's really important. But it's not a representation of me. I've actually gone into quite a few... There's a few good decorating shows on Netflix. What is it called? One of them is this American couple called The McGee's. And if you watch that show, you'll sort of get an idea of what I'm going for. But um, to give you an idea... The whole blue thing started when I, I, I always wanted a car to be able to pick up people at the Phuket airport. I wanted to make sure when they arrive, the first impression they got was not the taxi mafia. Mm. So we always organised a car. So I need a nice car. So I've bought an old 1980 sky blue Mercedes Benz. Oh, God. So if you come and stay at our Blue Moon Bay, you're going to be picked up by a 1980 pale blue, sky blue, Mercedes-Benz. Perhaps even driven by me occasionally. Oh, I should have sold you. I got the 1989 Volvo out there. We're getting rid of it now. No, 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 no. <laughs> Volvo doesn't have quite the... This, yeah, this, is, this is the safety precaution when everyone gets <laughs> sure. in. No one's getting injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Mercedes are much like that. I mean, these things are built like a tank yeah. and they're unstoppable. It's got a new engine in it and a few other things. But um, it'll probably end up rusting and falling apart. And I'm not sure if it'll keep on getting up the hill because it's quite a steep hill to get where, we're, where we are. But um, from that, I then sort of built everything around that blue thing. I don't know. It, uh, that's where it came from. Do you, do you ever Were you a fan of Seinfeld, the show, or no? Of course. Okay. So is it going to have that feel of like Frank Costanza down at Del Boca Vista where you're going to have, or Morty from, you know... Uh, Jerry's father, where you're going to have the mayors and you know the presidents in there, and they're making decisions. You got shuffleboard going, or what? What? What can we envision? No, the, it'll be a benign dictatorship. It'll be me and saying, <laughs> "This is what you're going to do," and so like funny. it or not. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're, 
one of the things we sort of wanted to do was make sure we had like a, a free breakfast and encourage people to come and enjoy that free breakfast. And if they don't see anybody for the rest of the day, come and get together, have breakfast together as a community. That community will change from time to time. Some people will come for a week. Other people will come for years. And uh, I always wanted that uh, idea of having a, a, a breakfast. So we've sort of made sure that's included in, um, in the sort of the costs. Uh, that was all. So we've got a great big table so everybody can sit around. And I thought, again, that's just one of the things that I think would be important is to have that uh, communal table get together. If you had an argument the day before, just get it out of the way and have a laugh and move on. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a change for me. I'm still going to be doing my daily program, uh, but I'll be able to talk about it on the program and maybe get a few people turning up. And then instead of cats rolling in the background, maybe a couple people with dementia. There, there will be uh, at least three cats there. <laughs> yes. So if you don't like cats, I'm not sure if they, they won't hang around the guests. Um, okay. So before we, we're going to wrap this up, we're always trying to now keep the episode under about an hour or so. YouTube has the gun to our well, head. We've only been on for five minutes, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we fly by. This show, the guests, they, we when make you them go, feel... When are you going to be... Well, you know, you did well. We didn't have to use it on you today. So. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was you, looking you, you forward get, to it. You get the pass. Um, now, before we wrap the show up, Tim's wearing one of his lovely T-shirts <laughs> that you have not wore in probably... I don't know if you've even worn this on Tim Newton today. Um, let's I, I talk about... So people can understand Tim's T-shirts from the Tiger. That's what they were before. He maybe are escaping that character, but also lean into what you guys did specifically for the Seeds of Change. Okay, well, um, I used to wear these um, quite loud Hawaiian Songkran-type shirts, and I had a collection of about 30 of them. And uh, when I sort of moved from that business to the new one, I, I, don't, I wear this sort of thing much more rarely. Not that I'm particularly loud in my dress sense, but uh, it became a bit of a thing. But I thought, how can I get rid of these shirts? What am I going to do with them? I don't really want to keep wearing them. I wanted a bit of a change. So I donated them to Seeds of Change, who have turned them into these, I'll send you a picture so you can put it up, uh, these magnificent toy elephants in three different sizes. And then we auctioned them off to my viewers, who were so incredibly generous, we raised 210 Yeah, we, lo we lost a camera just in case anyone, battery died. 210,000 baht, an amazing generous uh, result from our, our viewers. So very, very thankful uh, to them. Yeah, make sure it's on me. Yeah, one second. We're going to zoom Brendan. in. We're going to fix it. Yeah, don't put there it on go. me. Don't, huh? don't put it on Brendan. Yeah. Thank you very much. There we go. Do I look okay? Yeah, I look great. No wrinkles? Uh, I don't know about that. So um, <laughs> that was really good. 210,000 baht, which went all, every single baht went to Seeds of Change. So thank you to my viewers uh, for getting behind that charity and supporting them. And explain a bit more what they were doing specifically with the funding. How, who is that supporting? Well, Seeds of Change is, is quite interesting because what they do is they have been able to offer women primarily who sort of fall between the cracks of networks, family situations, uh, some of them Burmese workers, uh, young mums who have got kids, so it's an option for them to, to learn sewing skills. And uh, it really has made a lot of difference to a lot of uh, mostly younger women to give them a, a, a network, gives them a, a chance, that, that idea of sitting around a table, that community. 
and uh, they have got access now to a whole lot of different uh, programs and uh, th- things that will be able to help them in the future, apart from just getting together with other young mums on a daily basis. Mm. And Seeds of Change are uh, basically teaching them how to sew. And they get paid for uh, making these fantastic toy elephants. So we had some 31 toy elephants made from my old shirts. And, oh, no, there's more than that. About 50 or 60, I think. But uh, they get donations of fabric every single day. And they've got this room where it's all sort of allocated and they wash them and they've got the reds and the greens and the blues. And uh, they're making these amazing toy elephants. In fact, every guest that comes to my hotel, I'm going to make sure they get one of those Seeds of Change toy elephants as part of their uh, their visit. Because they are, to me, uniquely Phuket, made by people that live in Phuket and made on the back of a really good idea by people that deserve support. Yeah, and I think Lynn, Lynn was... Um uh, or sorry, not Lynn, Sue. Sue Altman was on, and she's involved in these charities as well. Yeah, well, it's uh, basically been patronised by uh, Living Waters Phuket, yes. which yep. Sean is behind, and yep. Sue Altman. But it's uh, really Sam from uh, Seeds of Change who's led the way, and uh, Sam is a great hard worker, and uh, I think another Australian. Who is I haven't met Sam. Maybe Sam, I'll reach out. she's a, a great lady, and uh, she was the one who has been able to take Seeds of Change through a transition into what it currently is. So well done, yeah. Sam and Maybe team. I'll, uh, I'll reach out to Sam. I, I like to kind of bring these people on that are doing this charity work because they, I, don't, I feel they don't get enough exposure on the island. And if more people knew about it, I think more people would get involved as well. Yeah. Um, now, before we wrap it up, uh, obviously your channel's doing great. You're monetizing. You're going to be getting involved in the retirement, the service side. Are there any other hidden nuggets you can share with your fans and viewers that maybe no one's not aware of yet or no one is aware of yet? Uh, no. <clears throat> Look, there's only 24 hours in a day and I'm already quite busy doing uh, the, the, the TNT program every day. I've got a few more ideas for programs, but they're really just um, sort of massaging what I'm already doing. The hotel thing will really take up a lot of time. And I'm going to have to do a lot of that work myself. You know, I'll probably be making the odd bed and cleaning the odd room and clearing the odd table in the early days until we can get it going and uh, I can employ more people. So that is going to take up a lot of my time over the uh, the, the next year, I'd say, the next couple of years. Uh, let's hope it works. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. Ah, so now you, so you'll actually be living up. I, w- I would assume you would have to. You'll be living up there, filming there. Okay, I was thinking that was more in the much more further in the future. No, I'm, I'll be living there myself. Um, I'll, I'll be uh, living in one of the rooms and uh, working there on a daily basis. As things pick up, uh, I'll have staff to 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 do things. Uh, but in the early days, uh, I really want to be very hands on to make sure things are done the way I want, and uh, also get that feedback from the early guests who will be able to tell me, I'm sure, whether things are working or not working. Yeah, you're kind of like me. I'm an absolute lunatic control freak. I have to control it all. No, we're doing the same with with our products. I I didn't want to put it into warehouses. I want to... You're going to see all the problems and you can only do that hands-on. Sure. There's no way. You're not going to hear it if you have a third-party vendor dealing with it. They're not going to tell you the issues, right? And again, I mean, you can sort of look at the way hotels are run in the West and think, I'll, I'll do it like that. But here, operating a hotel in a on Phuket with a Thai staff, whole different can of worms. And uh, I'm lucky that I've got some good people to help me. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a go at it. Awesome. Well, 
Thanks again for Tim jumping on the episode. And as we always do, before I cut this out, I'm going to shoot it back to Tim. Which camera? The middle. Um, if you can just let all your viewers know, because most likely it is your viewers that are here. And guys, don't forget, head over to the Tiger. Hashtag Tim is taking over. And just leave those comments. Attack them. It's, it's a social attack. Um, we're going to kick it back over to Tim. Just let everyone know in case they do not already know where they can find you. And Firstly, again, for your I do channel. not endorse in any way what Brendan has just said. Uh, don't do that. But um, yeah, look, it's called Tim Newton Today. It's on YouTube. And if you're there, you know, subscribe, click a like button. Or if you don't like it, click the dislike button. It's all engagement. And uh, I do a daily 15-minute talk show, uh, which is all about the Thai news. Saturdays we do a live version that goes for an hour. Brendan was a guest a few weeks ago, whinging about his foot. I almost died, all right? And uh, then on Sunday I've got the, the grumpy old men show. That's what I'm doing at the moment, and that keeps me busy. But uh, thank you, and uh, thank you too, Brendan. Thank you for coming, Tim. And uh, that wrap up wraps up another episode. Don't forget, we got links in the description. We got the lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, mushroom complex, and the one and only nootropics focus. This one will keep you dialed in as it kept me dialed in. Actually, that's mostly coffee. But um, if you're not already subscribed, don't forget to like and subscribe. And uh, thanks again to Five Star Marine for sponsoring us. That's what gets Hans paid every week. So. Got to keep him going, He's too. He's very expensive. Yeah. Huh? Very expensive. He's great. Um, okay, that wraps it up. We're done for today, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>